Are you in search of a closer relationship with Jesus Christ and a better understanding of the basic truths of Christian faith? If so, please join us for Simple Secrets of the Kingdom, a series of Bible studies developed by Reverend James Otterness and taught by Skip Hedgepeth, board member of Good News Ministries and Bible teacher at Christ Church in Midland, Texas. Hi, I'm Skip Hedgepeth and welcome to Simple Secrets of the Kingdom. In the last couple of weeks we talked about creation and we talked about the fall of man in creation. And the first study was about how God created the heavens and the earth and, and he created this beautiful blue planet that we call earth and everything was perfect, just the way God intended it to be. And he created the first perfect man who was Adam and then he created Eve and put them on this earth to live in a, a perfect environment and in a perfect relationship with the Creator. But then things didn't stay perfect and things uh, fell apart when Adam and Eve gave in to the temptation of the serpent. Now, since that time, we've been living in this broken world and we inherited this broken world from our parents, from our foreparents, Adam and Eve. And living in that broken world has created problems for us. And today we're going to talk about uh, the effects of those problems and how we deal with them in our daily lives. This particular study is a, a study that is called the health syndrome and it was a study that was originally put together by a man named Dr. Granger Westberg when he studied human behavior at the uh, University of Chicago. And this has been a study throughout the history of Simple Secrets that has been very helpful to different people. And so Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll talk about, uh, about the health syndrome. Gracious Father in heaven, we love you so much. Thank you for, uh, for the way that you love us and for the way you first loved us. And Father, I, I pray today that as we study your word together, that uh, you would help us find hope, hope to live in this broken world, and especially hope to live when that brokenness impinges on our own life and we experience it in some way. So guide us into the truth and lead us into your hope. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to start first by getting a scripture. And the scripture today is going to be in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. And so, the people of God who are, who are saved by the grace of God still in this life endure suffering. And I really believe that there are really only two kinds of Christians in this world. It's those who have been through a trial of some kind and those who are going to go through a trial of some kind. And all of these trials uh, come about originally as a result of the broken creation that I talked about earlier. And so uh, one of the things that, that uh, determines the quality of life that we have after we go through a trial is the way that we deal with that trial when it comes. And so the health syndrome is a study that shows us how we can best deal with those uh, trials when they come and move on to a new kind of normal in our life 
so that we can, uh, we can live day to day in the hope of God and in the grace of God. And so the way that it works is your life is going along smoothly, like kind of like a straight line. Uh, so it's going along smoothly, and then something happens to you. Now, something happens is like a loss of some kind. You can, it can be something that you did yourself. You caused a problem. Maybe in your work, you made a mistake that caused, uh, caused a problem for you and your boss. Uh, maybe it's you did something to somebody that you love. And uh, when, you, when you do something like that and it creates a loss of some kind, usually the feeling that comes along with that is guilt. And then we have to deal with that guilt. Or it can be something that happened to you. Somebody let you down somehow. And, uh, and that can happen in so many different ways. It can be uh, either, uh, either by an accident or even either by chance, uh, one way or the other. You can be driving down the street minding your own business, and somebody can come out of the blue, and, uh, and before you know it, you're in a car wreck, and, and, uh, and you, you've got trouble in your life then. And so when that loss comes along, the Scripture tells us that when, when we experience those kind of, of suffering, those kinds of trials, that that process leads to growth and maturity for us. But before we can get to the maturity, we have to go through the dip that follows the loss. And some people call that dip uh, grief, and some people uh, experience that dip as depression. And so uh, the first thing that we do when we have a loss is that we feel forsaken in some, some way. Well, how did this happen? Uh, we feel alone, like no one understands, and no one can feel uh, the pain that we feel, like the old spiritual song that says, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. And, uh, and so we feel forsaken and alone. Jesus uh, experienced this kind of feeling when he was on the cross. And he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And uh, there, is, there is no greater pain in the world than that pain of of experiencing the loss and being alone and feeling forsaken. If you think about it, whenever in, in a prison, whenever they want to give someone the worst kind of punishment, they put them in solitary confinement. Because that's, and that's horrible because human beings are relational people. We're built to be in relationship with God and in relationship with one another. And so feeling alone and forsaken is a horrible feeling. And when we feel this way, Things look dark for us, and we begin to ask questions about it. I don't see why this thing happened to me. I don't understand it. Uh, and, and then we also even look to God at this point, and we'll say, God, I thought you were watching over me. So where things seem dark, and we look for understanding in some way, and, and under, another way of saying understanding is that in the darkness, we look for light. And so we look for different places to find light to help us out of the darkness. And maybe sometimes we'll pray. Uh, maybe sometimes we'll talk to our friends and, and look for empathy or sympathy from them in order to help us and to find understanding and bring light into our darkness. Sometimes we'll go uh, to the bookstore and peruse through the, the self-help books. And if, 
If you've ever been in one of these big bookstores, you'll know that the self-help section is really one of the biggest sections in the store. Uh, people, uh, there are people who are looking for light for all different kinds of problems. And so they go to those books. Some people read their scripture. Some people study the Bible and some people pray. There are, are many different ways to look for light when you're in the midst of the darkness. And you know, when, uh, when we're in that darkness like that, and even looking for light, our first reaction as we try to bring about understanding for this, our first thoughts that come to our mind are to find somebody to blame for, uh, for whatever it was that happened to us. And we feel like uh, if somehow we can blame someone, somehow that's going to help us accept the problem and understand the problem. And so you can uh, remember this from the study about Adam and Eve, when God confronted Eve in the garden, uh, she said that uh, the serpent beguiled me to do it. And when God confronted Adam, his first thoughts was to blame Eve. And he said, the woman you gave me made me do it. And so uh, we, look, we look to find blame and place blame somewhere. Or we'll also look sometimes, if it's something that we've done, then we'll look to justify ourselves somehow. And we'll say, well, okay, I know that I did this, but, you know, they really had it coming. And we'll try to justify our own behavior that way. Or if it's something that someone did to us, then we'll, uh, uh, we'll take on kind of a victim mentality and begin to, uh, uh, begin to feel self-pity for what we did. And, uh, and, and then we'll even try to build an identity around that. Who I am then becomes basically what someone has done to me. And that's a lot of times, that's what happens with our first thoughts. And uh, then if we get light and we start getting some understanding, uh, we can also be led into what are called second thoughts. And the second thought is, is a, uh, in the scripture, it comes from a, a Greek word that is metanoia. And metanoia comes from two words. One, the first is, it's just a compound word. The first part of it is meta which means again, and noia, which means thought. And so how that gets trans, uh, translated in the scripture today is through the word repentance. So anytime you see in the scripture a call for repentance, what it's really a call for is, uh, is to have second thoughts and to take a different direction based on your second thought. You were going one way and, uh, and the scripture says, wake up. Think again and go the other way. It's not just repentance. It's not just feeling sorry for what you did. It's changing your mind so that your behavior can change. And, uh, and when you, you begin to have second thoughts, that's really when you can start getting new hope for things. And instead of just being a victim, you can begin to take responsibility and acceptance for what has happened. And out of that acceptance, you get new hope and you can get a new direction uh, to help you come out of the pit or the dip that you've been in. I, I know that I've seen this. I have, a, I have a good friend who went through a divorce. And my friend, originally, uh, all my friend could do was to try and blame the spouse for what happened. And uh, they built an identity around 
this horrible thing happened to me through this horrible person. This is what my life is now. Uh, and, and they just kind of got stuck in that self-pitying, uh, self-justifying behavior. But when they really began to seek out light and got some help through counseling and through the ministry of a pastor, then what happened was that they began to take uh, responsibility for some of their own choices in that bad relationship. And as they did, they, didn't, uh, they began to take charge again of their own life and not just allow their life to be controlled by bad feelings about something that had happened to them. And so, you see, they t he took, had second thoughts. And through the second thought, uh, he began to see things a new way, to change his mind and take responsibility for his behavior. And as he did, he began to, to, uh, to find hope. And, you know, uh, when you have these kinds of dark feelings like self-pity and, uh, and, and, and victimization, one of the things that can happen with us is that we will try and hold those feelings down inside of us. And they, our conscience will keep a lid on these feelings and keep them from coming out. And, and so those feelings of guilt and resentment and even anger and stress can come along. And when we keep them bottled up inside, they just go over and over and over again in us and we don't ever get any relief for those kinds of feelings. And when that happens, uh, that's what resentment is. If you look at the word resentment, resent, it's like your feelings are resent through your spirit over and over again. And what happens is that they build up kind of momentum inside of you. And before you know it, your anger and your resentment and, um, and your guilt can really control your behavior and your thinking. So the only way that you look at the world is through, like through the lenses of your anger and your resentment. And, um, uh, and once that happens, uh, you, look, you have to find some way to get relief for it. So one way you can get relief in a positive sense is through talking about it. And uh, in talking about it, then the feelings have a chance to come out and, and that gives you relief. It's, this is a horrible illustration, but it's the one that best describes it to me. It's like if you eat a bad piece of meat, uh, you're, you eat it, and then all of a sudden your stomach starts telling you that something is wrong. And it's in there, and it's churning around. And you try and keep a lid on it, but uh, you don't get any relief at all until you're able to get that out of there. And once it comes out, even though the process may be painful in some way, you still can begin to find relief. And I saw this so many times in my counseling practice through people who were going through some kind of pain and trauma and event in their lives, and they would come in and talk to me for Christian counseling. And, and it wasn't so much that I was such a great counselor uh, and had such wonderful insight for everyone, but the, the being able to sit down and talk to me and talk to someone so that what was going on inside of them could come out in front of a person who's, who's listening and empathetic, that brought people great relief. So that's the healthy way to get those resentful, angry, guilty feelings out 
is through someone who is positive and encouraging and will listen and give you an opportunity to share what's going on inside of you. Out of feeling those feelings and talking about them is how the healing begins to come. Now, if you're not going to sit down with someone and talk about it and get it out in a healthy way, then you still have to find some way to keep control of this of these guilty, resentful feelings that are churning around inside of you so that you can go on living. Because even when we are feeling guilty or feeling resentful and anger, angry, we still have to go show up to work every day. We still have to, to be a spouse or be a parent and, and deal with everyday life. Life doesn't stop for us whenever we experience a loss. And so, uh, if we don't deal with it in a healthy way, then we start looking for other ways to manage the pain. And one of the ways we can do that is by living in a dream world. We can just try to escape from reality by living in a dream world. One of the ways that people do that these days is by getting on the internet. And so if my personal life is not going very well, then what I have to do is I'll create a virtual life for myself. And I can get on the internet and talk on the chat room and be somebody that I'm not really and create a whole new identity for myself and, and that way escape the pain of my real reality. And people do this all the time and will spend hours and days on the internet just escaping from reality. Or people can turn to alcohol and drugs and try to medicate away the pain that they're feeling. Or they can become a workaholic and, uh, and focus so much on work that, uh, that they're not able to deal with the reality of their life today. And whenever I was counseling a workaholic, I used to say to them, what go is going on in your life that's so horrible that makes you want to stay at the office all the time? Usually it was because they were trying to escape from something. Uh, you can get together with other people who are in trial going through trials of some kind and, and, and go drinking or have coffee with them. And whenever you, you, are, uh, you are dealing with this victim mentality and you find other people who are victimized also, you can get together and have what's called a pity party. So you can just be together with your neurotic friends and always kind of wallow around in the pain of it and never find any relief. Uh, some people watch the uh, soap operas. Our, our TV shows, and they'll sit and watch uh, TV or, uh, or shows like, like uh, political talk shows. I, have, I know someone who did that in their life to escape from what was going on. Uh, or you can watch sports endlessly, hour on hour. You know, with modern cable television today, there's a sport uh, a competition of some kind on all the time. And, you know, I could go on and on. The list is endless in terms of way to escape with, from reality. But the truth is that none of those things help. No matter how much you escape, the feelings and the resentment and the guilt that you have on the inside is still there. And, and it's going to wait for you. And while you wait, it's going to grow. And so the problem doesn't go away just while you try and escape from it. The problem will continue to grow and become even more of a problem. Now, after you talk to someone, uh, once you, you sit down and you share and you try and get things out, if, you, if that person is not an accepting person and you get rejected from them, uh, you can go even into a deeper dip. 
as a result. So if you're experiencing this today and, you, and you're trying to find someone to talk to, a friend to share with, be sure that you talk to someone that's positive for you, someone that's going to listen and give you the time of day and not just reject you when you open up and become vulnerable to them. Because if you go into, if you get rejection when you go to share, then you're going to go into an even deeper depression, deeper pit. And those are hard to get out of. Uh, but if you, if you find that you receive acceptance when you go and you talk to them, uh, you can, it's like confession. You can get relief from your guilt over what you've done. When you, when you confess what's go, what you've done, and when you, you get relief from that guilt, then uh, uh, you find new hope to live. And if you find, if it's something that someone's done to you and you share and you start to find hope, what you, what you experience is that the resentment starts to go away. And when that happens, you can become forgiving. And forgiveness is always the best antidote to resentment. Now, you may think that the person that has hurt you in some way doesn't deserve to be forgiven, or maybe you think, I don't feel like forgiving yet. Well, let me tell you, forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a command that the Lord has given us, and He says, forgive as I have forgiven you. We forgive because He calls us to. And once you make the choice in your consciousness to forgive, which means I'm not going to let what you did to me control my life anymore. I'm going to let it go. Uh, once you do that, then you begin to get freedom from the feelings. But the thinking has to change before the feelings can change. And uh, resent, uh, I'm sorry, forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice that you make. Uh, and then uh, also when you do this, the Holy Spirit then can come in and give you power for a new way of living, giving power for a new life, give you guidance, and start to lead you in a new direction to, and to where you'll, you'll begin to feel like you want to be with people again. And you'll be pulled out of your loneliness because a life of guilt and anger and resentment is a lonely way to live. And it doesn't uh, punish other people, even though we think it does sometimes, resentment really just punishes the person who's eaten up with the resentment. And so if you find that new kind of acceptance and forgiveness and uh, uh, in the grace of God through faith in Jesus through, through this process, then the, the, uh, the dip begins to turn and you're on your way back up. And where you were feeling bad, you'll start to have some energy again and have some pep and some joy for life again. And where before, when you're, when you're feeling guilt and resentment, it made you want to re withdraw and isolate and just sit and pull the covers over your head, uh, what, what it does is you'll start, uh, as you start getting relief, you'll start to feel more like your old normal again. And you'll start taking part in life and activities and so I know uh, I've seen this before in, in people who have lost a, lo a loved one and they go through this dip. One of the things they want to do originally is to pull away and hide and pull the covers over their head and not be involved in church or activities with friends. But as you go through this process and you begin to find relief from the guilt 
and find forgiveness and find healing for whatever kind of loss that you've been in, then you want to reconnect with your friends and you'll find yourself getting involved again in your old activities. Um, and where maybe you had been quiet and withdrawn before, uh, you'll find yourself uh, spontaneously talking about your experience with people and you'll become kind of like an evangelist for people who have gone through this sort of thing before. And, uh, and usually the best people to talk to when you're in a pit of your own is someone who has gone through it, uh, something similar, and has come out on the other side because that gives you encouragement and hope. And when you're the person that's able to give that encouragement and hope, it really takes you up to a new point in your life uh, to go forward. And, and what you'll see is that life won't be at the same level that it was before the event happened, but you'll be at a new level of living once you have made it through this process. And, uh, and you'll come out on the other side a more mature person a more grounded person, a, more, a person who is more able to help people and be there for people. And uh, maturity is what the Lord wants us to be, wants us to grow in. Uh, and uh, maturity is, is really misunderstood a lot of times in the world today. Some people think that a, that a, a mature person is one who's independent of God or independent, basically, uh, in, in their lives, you know, if they can do it on their own and they're self-made, that that's, a, that's a, a mature person. But the more independent we are, the more immature we really are in terms of the kingdom of God. Because a, God says that uh, a mature person is one who's dependent on God. An immature person thinks that they're independent of others and they, they don't need it. They're an island and they can live on their own. But a mature person is one who's dependent upon God and also dependent upon others and knows that they can't make it through life just totally on their own. Uh, an immature person, uh, when they think that everything depends upon them, then they're shaky on the inside. And, uh, and they worry a lot because if everything depended on me, I could mess it up at any point in time. And that's a scary way to live. But if I have grown in my maturity, then I know that God is there for me and that other people are there for me and I can depend on them. And, uh, and this process is, uh, is, is helpful for people who go through any kind of a dip in their life. If you have been here in your life and life has, has uh, brought you pain in some way, and you feel yourself in a dip today, then I want to encourage you to not just stay there, to not get stuck as a victim and don't get stuck in self-pity. Instead, in the midst of your darkness, call out for the light. And you'll find that light through faith in Jesus Christ primarily and through reconnecting with God's people in this world the people who have been through the hurts and have, through their own faith and forgiveness and being forgiving, have, uh, have moved through their pit and reconnected in their life. Those are the mature believers that you want to seek out. And ask God for the help and for the faith 
and for the courage to reach out in the midst of your darkness, to ask for his hand to draw you out. Ask him for the help to, to lead you to other believers because this is what God wants for you. And when we pray according to his will, he promises that he will always answer. So my message for you today is, is a message of hope. If you're there in that place and you're struggling, uh, uh, there's hope for you. Seek that hope through faith in Jesus Christ. And the Lord will grab you by the hand. I, I heard something one time that Corey Tinboom said, that no pit is so deep that he is not deeper still. The Lord Jesus wants to come and meet you where you are today and lead you out of, of the dark place that you're in. So let's close with a prayer today, and we'll ask his help for you in that place. Gracious Father in heaven, we love you so, so much, and I know that there are people listening to this program today who are going through hurts and trials. And Lord, I pray for that person today who's listening that you would uh, give them the faith because sometimes we even need you to come there, Lord, and give us the faith so that we can begin to move out of, out of the darkness. Lead them today out of their darkness and into the, your wonderful light. We love you, Lord, and we ask this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. If you have a prayer request or questions about any of the material covered in today's lesson or would like to support the program with a contribution, contact us by email at simplesecrets at goodnewsministries.org or by mail at P.O. Box 3315, Midland, Texas 79702. Until next time, thank you for sharing the simple secrets of the kingdom.